Thank you for joining us for another podcast, The Word of God. Now, we are in the second half of the church season. Remember, the first half of the church season begins with the first Sunday of Advent. Either at the end of November, the fourth Sunday of November, or the first Sunday of December. And we work from Advent to Christmas to Epiphany to Lent to Easter to the day of Pentecost. And it's about six months. So each of the halves, about six months. And so we have looked at the first Sunday after Pentecost, which is celebrated on the Sunday as Trinity Sunday. And we will be working today on proper six, which is the third Sunday after Pentecost, the third Sunday after Pentecost. Now, remember the lectionary readings begin on Sunday. So you can read them on Sunday morning. If you do not go to church that Sunday, these could be the readings for you. If you go to church that Sunday, you can be reading the Sunday lectionary readings. And those, of course, are published on a weekly basis on the Sunday. And of course, the daily lectionary begins on Sunday and ends on Saturday. Now, what happens in the summertime as we go through the first half of the propers, and we're gonna end with proper 29, the last Sunday after Pentecost. So we are in six now, and we're gonna go all the way to 29, is now we have a rotation of three sets of scriptures. We have 1 Samuel, we begin with Acts, and Acts is going to take us well through the summer. Acts has 28 chapters. And the book of Luke, which we are in the 20th chapter, so we are going to be in Luke through chapter 24. The last chapter of Luke is chapter 24. Now, let's say something about the beginning, which is in Samuel. Now, Samuel is what we call a history book. It is in the Old Testament. And what we have so far in the Old Testament is the Pentateuch. Now, the Pentateuch is the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And we've been talking about Deuteronomy the last several weeks. Very good book. After Deuteronomy is Joshua. And Joshua is a real person who worked with Moses and led the people of Israel into the promised land. But he had to do lots of battles and overtake those that were inhabiting the land. And he took them for the Lord. The book of Judges is about the 12 tribes of Israel and how they divided the land once they took it over. So Deuteronomy is about Moses and him leading the children of Israel out of Egypt on the eastern side of what is now called Israel. But he didn't go into the land. Joshua did. And then in Judges, we divide that land up. Now, 1 Samuel is a very important history book. And I kind of start with 1 and 2 Samuel, then 1 and 2 Kings. Now, 1 and 2 Chronicles very much mimic 1 and 2 Kings. And 1 and 2 Samuel are very important history books in the Old Testament. So how should you read them? Well, for the historicity, very important, because we've got some major characters in 1 Samuel. Samuel, Saul, and David. 
Samuel, Saul, and David. And we're going to see how God Almighty, Yahweh, the one who delivered them out of Egypt, is going to work with them, the people of Israel, and lead and guide them and teach them through the positive things they do and the negative things they do about God himself and the way he does things. So as you're reading these, the, the lessons are a little bit longer because it's more history. It's not wisdom literature like Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And certainly it's not prophetic literature like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea, Micah, etc. And it's certainly not the Pentateuch. So it's right there in the middle called the history books, the historical books. Now, you'll have more reading with these much of the time. So again, you want to get a feel for the history. You want to get a feel for the characters. You want to get a feel for the persons. You want to get an idea contextually of what God is doing in these people's lives. And then, after you read the notes, a lot of you have an ESV study Bible, notes at the bottom, or some kind of way to get a simple commentary on the books. You'll want to think about how that reflects in your life, and if that story or that incident in Israel's life, how that affects you and what God is saying to you. Okay. We begin with 1 Samuel chapter 1, and it is the birth of Samuel. Now, the birth of Samuel is actually very important because Samuel becomes one of the great people of the Old Testament. He is the one that's going to anoint Saul the king and David the king of Israel. And he's going to play a major role in Saul's life particularly. Now, what I love about Samuel in reading the book of 1 Samuel is how godly he was and how his life was dedicated to the Lord and how important he was in the life of Israel and what God was doing in terms of dealing with them. All right, so we have in the first chapter, we have the birth of Samuel and Samuel is given to the Lord. Now, Samuel's mother is an extraordinary person. Her name is Hannah. Okay, now Hannah had no children. And Hannah went up, verse 3, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. Now, Hannah was loved by the Lord, but the Lord closed her womb. Do you see that in verse 5, chapter 1? And Hannah wept. He was very sad about this. And Hannah rose, and Eli uh, was the priest at the time, and prayed to the Lord. She prayed to the Lord in verse 10 and wept bitterly. O Lord of hosts, she vowed a vow. Very serious to vow a vow to the Lord. If you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. So Hannah made a vow to the Lord that if he, the Lord, would open her womb and give her a son, she would dedicate him to the Lord. In due time, verse 20, chapter 1, 
Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Now, the, obviously, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, as you all know, and the names that were given ha are very specific, and they mean something, way beyond what I'm teaching you today, but they're very important what the names mean. Now, Samuel is given to the Lord and offered to the Lord and dedicated to the Lord. That's a wonderful thing to do for those of you that have children or grandchildren, great-grandchildren, to offer him or her to the Lord and to work with parents and godparents and grandparents to raise that child in the training and admonition of the Lord. So that's a very, very good uh, concept. We go to chapter 2 where Hannah prays and thanks the Lord. My heart, verse 1, exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. So she's very excited. It's a very great thing that the Lord has done. And she praises God for it, which is, again, a very wise thing to do. That is a wonderful teaching for us today. Praise the Lord, glorify the Lord, thank the Lord for all the blessings that he's given you in your life. Now, Eli's sons, unfortunately, were not very good people. Look at what the Bible says in verse 12, chapter 2. The sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Now, it is very important that followers of the Lord know the Lord. It's very important that they follow the Lord and obey his concepts, his precepts, his laws. We saw that when we looked at Deuteronomy, remember? And so that's why you want to know the Lord. That's why you want to know the word of the Lord. That's why you want to know what his precepts and his rules and his regulations are. That's why you want to know what the word of God says. A person that does not know the word of God, a person that does not know the Lord, not good. Not good. All right. The Lord visited Hannah, verse 21, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. So Samuel was growing. And we see how the Lord rebukes the sons of Eli at the end of chapter 2, and he rejects Eli's household. I revealed myself in verse 27 to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh. Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of the people of Israel. Then he declares a curse upon them. And that is not a position that you want to find yourself with the Lord. When people do not obey the Lord in the Old Testament, God cuts them off and rebukes them significantly and seriously. Verse 34, and this shall come upon your sons Hophni and Phinehas shall be the sign to both of you. Both of them shall die on the same day. Can you imagine having to deal with that? In the famous chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, we have the calling of Samuel. 
And again, it's a beautiful story. We have verses 1 to 21, a beautiful story of the calling of the Lord. Samuel is close to the Lord. Samuel, uh, it says in verse uh, 1, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision, so God was not revealing himself. He was not talking to people. That's another thing that you don't want to happen is that God stopped speaking to you. And the lamp of God had not gone out. Samuel was lying in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So Samuel was a very godly boy, very godly young person. And the Lord began to speak to him. And this is the famous scene where he says, here am I. And he hears this sound, but he doesn't know what it was. And then finally, Eli says to you, the Lord is speaking to you. Samuel, Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. So enjoy that. And let none of these words fall to the ground. And he became a prophet. And the Lord again appeared at Shiloh. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. So the Lord chose to reveal himself to Samuel, who was holy before the Lord in the sense that he sought the Lord and was before the ark in the temple. But Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they did not honor the Lord and they did not do what they said. And he even prophesied their death. Now, the Philistines capture the ark in chapter 4. I love that story. You might want to read that story very slowly, very carefully, 1 Samuel 4, 1 through 11. They battled the Philistines. They lost the battle. And they captured the ark. So the Philistines fought, verse 10. And Israel was defeated, and they fled every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter. And the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. Now there's the death, and it actually happened, and they died on the same day. The ark was captured. This is where God was present with his people. And this was a serious problem. And don't get ahead, but the reading in 4 and 5 and 6 is very, very fun. It's, it's a wonderful series of stories. So enjoy 1 Samuel and the calling of Samuel, the problem with the priest Eli and his sons, and how Samuel, by God's grace and God choosing him, is going to become this outstanding prophet in Israel. We begin with 1 Samuel, the opening chapters, and now the opening chapters of the book of Acts. Now this might be a book that you are very familiar with. This are the actions and the acts, if you will, of the apostles of the early church. And of course, the predominant um, person involved is Paul. And what we have in Acts, as we look at Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, and then we skip to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 1, we have the ascension of Jesus. We have the election of a person to replace Judas, Matthias, and we have then the coming of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, which we've spoken about. Now we're going to look at Acts, all of Acts. So in chapter 1, very important, the instructions of Jesus to go and go to the upper room, and the Holy Spirit's going to fall, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, verse 8. Jesus ascends into heaven, and they go and wait. In the meantime, Matthias is 
chosen by Lot to replace Judas because, as you recall, Judas killed himself. In chapter 2, we have one of the most important chapters in the Bible. Read it carefully and read it slowly throughout the week. And that is the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And then Peter stands up and witnesses with them and to them what this all means. He gives lots of Old Testament references to that. And he prophesizes, if you will, and he evangelizes. So he shares the prophecies that we saw in the Old Testament. And he ties together for us what the Old Testament was saying about the Holy Spirit. And now that the Holy Spirit has come down, tongues of fire, speaking in new tongues, a rushing wind, real evidence that he was there. Paul, Peter, we haven't gotten to Paul yet. Peter interprets that as led by the Holy Spirit, who's now very active in his life, and begins to speak. And what we will see at the end of that With many other words, verse 40, he bore witness and he continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. For those who received the word were baptized and about 3,000 souls were added that day. So this was a fantastic event. People from all over the area came for the Old Testament understanding of the Feast of Weeks. And there were many people in Jerusalem And all of these folks, or many of these folks, I should say, were speaking in new tongues as the Spirit of God, the Bible says, gave them utterance. The fellowship was very powerful. It says they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. They were praising God, verse 47, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we see the action of God in Samuel's life, in Hannah, as he opened her womb, in Samuel's life, in the calling, and the word of God was rare in those days. We see the contrast with Eli's sons, who tragically died when the ark of God was captured by the Philistines. We see the coming of the Holy Spirit, years and years, years later, where Jesus comes, ascends into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God. The Holy Spirit comes and now is going to empower them and lead them into all the truth. Jesus spoke about this in John 14 and 16, if you want additional references. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, and now they begin their ministry. And on the last day, Saturday, we look at 432 to 511. The full number of those who believed in 32 were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they held everything in common. And with great power... The apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So they were witnessing to, about Christ, and the grace of God was with them in a very powerful way. And people were generous and giving up their lives and their livelihoods for the sake of the gospel. In chapter 5, we have one of the most unusual teachings and one of the most um, significant in the terms of the power of God moving in a negative way upon Ananias and Sapphira, who were killed by the Lord because they were dishonest in their giving. Okay? So read that very carefully. And they were giving property at the Peter's feet. If you look at the end of chapter 2 and chapter 4, we have this idea that people were giving up 
of their abundance in order to bless the apostles. But Peter says in verse 3, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land that he was selling? And so the Lord struck him down. And several hours later, his wife, Sapphira, had the same thing happen. Listen to verse 10 and 11. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young man came in, they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. The power of God was very active at this time. And it was important to be truthful to the Lord. And the consequences could be devastating. In the first 11 verses of chapter 5, we see that. So again, read those opening chapters of Acts carefully. This is the beginning of the church and will be in Acts, as I said, for a long time this summer. Now we go back to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's in his final days. And we have the teaching before chapter 22 we find where he is going to be dealing with the end of his life and as we move into the crucifixion. But in this week, we're looking at chapter 20 and 21. So chapter 29 to 19 is a beautiful uh, story, 9 to 19, of the parable of the wicked tenants. And then the, after that, we have the paying of taxes to Caesar, Okay. And so the parable of the wicked tenants is a parable about the people of Israel. Now, Jesus was not afraid to say what he believed. He was not afraid to say the truth to them. And so that's a very strong parable. So do some research on that. If you have some notes to look that up, please do so. And then, of course, we have the famous give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, and the lawyers, scribes, etc., were constantly trying to trap Jesus. But Jesus was much smarter than they were. And they tried to trick him. They tried to corner him. They tried to get him to say things that he was unwilling to say at the time. So he was always a step or two or three or four ahead of them. So when you're reading this, you'll see that Jesus is very courageous. He's very on point. And he is very sure of where he's coming from. He knows that he's going to get killed for these comments, but he's going to speak the truth. There's also questions about the resurrection. Remember I told you they were asking questions about what to do with Caesar and now what to do about the resurrection. Okay? And so Jesus is answering these questions. Sometimes he does it with parables. Whose son is the Christ? They ask him that question at the end of chapter 20, and he answers with a scripture reference in the Old Testament. So Jesus knew the Old Testament, obviously, well. He knew what it meant. He knew how it applied to himself. He knew how it applied to other questions and answers. And then finally, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. This is chapter uh, 20, verse 46 and 47 who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. So he's talking about the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, etc., the lawyers, 
and he's warning the people against them. Now, again, we know he's going to die very soon, but he's not afraid to speak the truth. And we see this in his closing days. In chapter 21, on Friday and Saturday, we have 5 to 19 and 20 to 28. 5 to 19, he foretells the destruction of the temple, an amazing prophecy of Jesus's. And then he warns them about wars and persecutions, and he foretells the destruction of Jerusalem. I mean, that in itself is amazing, that this man, knowing that he's going to die, knowing that he's not saying anything that's going to make the powerful people, the powerful religious people even happier, he's actually condemning them by giving them parables like the, the tenants and force telling the destruction of the temple, which actually happened in 7 AD, 70 AD, and the destruction of uh, Jerusalem. So the 21st chapter of Luke is, again, another famous chapter. And we see it in Mark and also in Matthew before Jesus is going to be killed. We see that closing chapter about Jesus' prediction about the end times. So be, enjoy those readings and enjoy that time you spend with the Lord on this. Well, that's a lot to think about for proper six, which is the third Sunday after Pentecost. Enjoy your readings this week as we open up the book of Samuel, the book of Acts, and the continuation of the book of Luke. God bless you.